right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the After Hours Podcast. This week, I have a, it's a phenomenal pleasure to have this gentleman, Richie Hossein, on the podcast. We actually never really met in person, but I see all the stuff you're doing on the internet, and I've heard phenomenal things about you just from how much you've given back to people around us and, you know, within Long Island and out in Manhattan. I see you do all these things and all these events, and the people you have around you in your circle, that's something that... You know, that's what I that's what I preach. You know, the people wow. around you. Well, thank having you. People like that in your circle. So it's a pleasure to have you sit down with me and uh, this is awesome. shoot the shit for a little bit. So excited. First off, really excited to be here. Um, thank you for the invite. Thank you for the hospitality. Of course. Uh, that's what life's about, right? How you show somebody hospitality. You and I actually never got a chance to meet officially. So this is actually our first time meeting. So yeah, the whole world is going to get a chance to see how we interact with one another. Exactly. Getting two people getting to know each other for the first time, which is really cool. That's a really cool experience. I'm I'm gonna try to change some things up, not in a bad way, but just in something different. Of course, I like being creative. I like I like different. I like being creative. I don't, you know, none of the things I've done so far, knock on wood, has been scripted. It's all been off the cuff because I want to show the world this is purely who we are. This is what I'm. I'm not trying to write something down and rehearse something to you. That's for politics. We leave that to the politicians. Let them write the big speeches, but. Dean and I today are going to have divine conversation. So I'm so excited to get to, to know a young man like this that has the energy that I'm watching on what Instagram displays. Instagram doesn't always display the truth. Right. So, you know, people show their best version. So we get to have some divine conversation, which is lacking right now in the world. The yeah, world we're living in right now is all on the phone. Nobody talks anymore. No one has conversation. Right. It's quick text. It's short words. It's trying to, you know, make things simpler, faster, quicker. And our attention spans are really getting really short. Exactly. So getting a chance to really get to know someone, psh, it's a different energy. Yeah, it kind of brings you back to like the old days where, yeah, we're on the internet. You know, the reason why we do stuff like this is to give back to the world and show them some of the stuff that you've gone through in life, whether it's adversity or success or really anything. And, uh, you know, again, to be able to sit here and to connect with like-minded people and to have somebody like you on here and to have authentic conversation, like you said, is uh is amazing that really shows you know who not you are as a person but who we are as people to be able to sit down and not just be on the phones and like you said a, a very important thing that i always speak about is yeah people just post all this stuff nowadays on social media but is that who you really are as a person you don't get to know them until you get to know them exactly and the world we're living in people are forgetting how to have conversation and get to know one another yeah. because a lot of the problems we have in the world i think have a lot to do with Two people can't sit across from one another and talk about their differences, talk about you're allowed to like what you like, I like what I like, I have respect for that. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm really selfish. I'm going to be selfish with your time because I really want to learn from you. Of course. Um, Doesn't mean that I I know I'm older than you and I probably have a little bit more years on you, but that doesn't mean I can't learn. I'm willing to learn from anyone that has the right attitude because you've been in the mortgage pounding the phones longer than I ever have. I've never done that. That's something that I could add to my craft. That's something I can improve. Maybe I can yeah. help somewhere. Like, so I'm always striving to learn, connect with people. And I th- when, before we got in, you were talking about, oh, what a great connector. My connection is easy because I really genuinely love this and I'm selfish with it. It's like you're doing, it's like, you know, some people like to drink, some people like to party, some people yeah. like to over, they're workaholics. I love genuinely meeting people and getting to know people and then rooting for them to see them do great things in the world. Definitely. And that makes me excited. That makes me get up in the morning. One, one million percent. I agree. I feel like a lot of the problem with the world today is that people don't want to root for the people that it's not even that they're ahead of you in life, but maybe they've 
mastered something or become better at something that maybe you haven't figured that out yet. You know, I heard something great from a buddy of mine. I don't know if you know him, Milan Avji. He's a big real estate investor. He was on an episode a couple of months ago. And what he said was, is growing up, you know, I, I might have acted, you know, in a disrespectful way towards people. But now I don't look at people by how much money they make or, you know, by X, Y, and Z. I look at people by what I can learn from them. And that's something that when I heard him say that, it really resonated with me because, you know, a lot of us, and maybe it's confidence, you know, you think you're the best at whatever it is. You know, when you really open up your mind and realize that it is about what you can learn from somebody, I feel like that's the way you have to be in life because we don't know everything. I'm not perfect. You know, you can't ever be perfect at anything. Um, but once you do open up your mind and realize that you'll learn something from everybody around you, whether it's good or bad. Right. Um, so then, like I said, what an does, amazing part of life. What, what is this social media world, yeah, yeah. this fake world that we're living in? That's what I wanted to talk to you about, when the people, social media when world. people posting all this fake and their perfect version, the face tune, this, that, you know, the real world is going to not be real anymore. Yeah, yeah of course. You're not going to even, like, I'm hearing stories of people seeing girls in real life. They're like, and guys too. Yeah, guys yeah. are doing it too. I'm not saying one way or another. Oh, I'm just course. saying this this whole Facetune game is, <laughs> you don't know what, what you're really getting. So you're getting the perfect version in the face, which is not perfect because they're doing this fake makeup on it. Yeah. And then you're getting a fake person in their best outfit on their best day with their best smile and their best pose that took 300 to take and that they chose that one. Exactly. You know, what are we getting when we really meet people? This is going to be an interesting world. Like, we're, we're... I, I agree. Does that, does that make them feel good about themselves? Or, you know, I'm, I've done stuff in my life that's not perfect and things that, you know, I would change. But we all have. Acting, acting like somebody you're not and portraying that out there to the world, that's not so you can't operate that way. Wait, but I can't knock them. You know, I got to go back to the other side now. Yeah. Listen, this is what the internet's given. This is the world we're trying to thrive to be perfect. Yeah, it enables you, the social media. It enables it's people. It's like, say, hey, now we have AI can make me look perfect. Okay, so it's the world. Like, it's your avatar. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, but whatever, man. To each their own. This is the world we're living in. Hold on. We got to adapt to this world. Right. So we better face tune our shit. When you see this podcast, it's going to look like, I'm going to be a little more muscular, you know? I'm going to have to get all the lighting. You know, it puts an extra effect on you. Forget it. If you can't, you know, what they say, you can't beat them, join them. Let's join. Let's go. That's right. This is the world we're living in. 100%. We're in the internet world, we're social media world. We're meeting, you know, people through that. Everybody's meeting on the gram, guys and girls sliding the DMs. Interesting world we're living in. How do people connecting? But listen, man, you know, that's why we have these conversations. It's going to be a, it's a lot of fun. I wanted to uh, kind of circle back because I don't know much about, you know, you and your story. I know growing up, not really growing up, but when I was, you know, 21, 22 years old, I always used to see you throwing these huge events in Manhattan, connecting with people that anybody would want to connect with in life, you know, celebrities. I think you had maybe Michael Jordan one night come wow. by where you were. Yeah. You know, wh wh where'd you kind of come from and how'd you get into that? you know, side of things, the nightlife business or the hospitality business. Oh my God. I got to listen. If you have, I hope, I hope you guys have two or three hours. Cause there's a lot of stories <laughs> I have to tell. We might have to do a podcast 21, 22, I would, I would 23, 24. I will you make it a whole, make it a whole you season. Wanna, you guys want to go keep going. We won't stop. Cause there's stories to be had. There's stories to be told. Maybe we get out some more, you know, some, some more Red Bull and ah. we keep it moving. But um, first off, so seeing that person, yeah, yeah. you met me the first time. We yeah, spoke a few times just on the phone. So you don't get to know me. Oh, of course. What did you think I was like? Like, I, I want to see because even my Instagram doesn't show who I am. My actually Instagram shows a different version of the guy actually. 
That's that when question. people get to meet me. So That's a good question. And a lot of people, I feel like, and not to not answer your question, I'm going to go right into your question, but I feel like even when people see somebody who's not popular on social media, but somebody who looks successful or hangs around people or has the life that you want, you might not, or you might feel a certain type of way towards that person. I can't stand people like that. When I see somebody like you, when I first saw you on social media, I just look at it like, you know, this guy, not figured it out, but this guy's got something going right for him. And how can I learn, you know, what he's done or what he's doing? So I always want to meet people like that and try to connect with somebody like that. Um, when I did first speak to you on the phone last week and we did connect, you know, you never know what you're going to get from somebody, you know, that not as in a business like that, but somebody who looks like or has connections with people at a high level, hyper successful people. You never know how somebody like that's going to respond to you. So I didn't think you would treat me with anything other than respect. You looked like a gentleman and you are a gentleman. So I appreciate you again, taking the time to come sit down because some people probably wouldn't. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, you're just like I thought you were. You looked like a gentleman on social media, somebody who I wanted to put myself around because like we said, when we started the podcast, you know, it's the people that you hang around in life. It's who you align yourself with. So I always try to align myself and will always align myself with people that push me up, yeah. you know, because there's no other way to go but up. I love that. So, yeah, man. So thank you for that. That's awesome because that's what I really want to portray. Yeah. I want to be known as a gentleman. I want to be known as a guy that, you know, when he says something, he actually does it. Um, someone that understands respect. Right. I want to, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. My parents came from a third world country. Um, Trinidad and Tobago. I was gonna say, what's they, your background? They came from. They came off the boat. My mom and dad came when they were real young. My mom was like 15, 16 when she wow. got here. My dad, 19. They left the country where all their family when they came to a country by themselves. Okay. So I was raised in a family that knew values, knew respect, knew hard work, knew, right. knew ethics, and that's what I was taught. Um, we were disciplined hard, though. We weren't. You know, my family were strict. We came off. You know, they knew my, my father wasn't afraid to put his hands on me, and. Um, Maybe at a, at a young age, I was like, ah, oh, that's not right, but I'm so happy he did because I probably deserved it. I got the same answer. I, I need a, I needed a, I might, I probably need a little ass whipping. And you know what? The world we're living in today, you know, listen, that wouldn't go. But, that would not go. You're not allowed to forget it. You oh, but even, I'm so happy. Speak to your child, I feel like, the wrong way. Yeah. You have to speak about that listen, because that's an opinion. We're living in a, we're living in a, in a soft, I mean, I'm not saying it's soft. I don't know what to skin. call it, but you have to be softer. You can't be, you're not, listen, we got disciplined, and I'm, thank you. Yeah. Take off, take the belt out or give me the shoe. I mean, listen, there's people who, I guess, listen, I, shoot, I'm, I'm sure there's some situations where people did abuse so I can't, I'm, I'm maybe I made an incorrect statement by talking about it that way, but my, the way they did it, my parents did it, I think was, you know, well done. I, I was Old school I, morals I, and values, I, that's it. I knew respect for rules. That's right. basically what they were teaching me. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the way they were taught. And regardless, it worked for me. Maybe I have, need some therapy because of it. <laughs> you know I was raised the same way, though. It's like, and you don't realize till a certain point in life. I probably didn't realize till, I don't want to say now, maybe 25, 26 years old where I'm like, these things that my father instilled in me as a child, even my mother as a child, because my father always showed me tough love. Um, no handouts. Yeah, I'm there for you if you really need something, if it's life or death. Right. But there's not going to be me hand you things and enable you and, you know, put you on a path. You put yourself on your own path. Right. I'll help you guide yourself down the path that you're going down, but I'm not going to enable you and hand you things in life. Unbelievable. And Hats looking, off the pops. Yeah, and looking back, yeah. 
I would never have it any different way because I grew up around people that were handed everything in life, and those people aren't where I would want to be now. They got the thing about those people, though, they got different, you know, they're going down a different path. And yeah. They're looking, when, when things are given to you so easily, you got to find, I guess, satisfaction in things that yeah. maybe are unattractive. Right. Actually, you know, and, you and I have a daughter. I want to give her the world, so it's a little different. I mean, it's like me, I get, with a daughter, I, I feel like maybe it's I, a little I, I different. Did, I did the same thing for my sons. You know, yeah. I, you know, I over probably compensated, and yeah. you know, we've I think we found a great balance at this point. But frick, man, my life is is interesting, dude. Like I told you, my parents came with the boat. I grew up in Freeport, Long Island. Did you? On, uh, yeah, I grew up in Freeport. What a nautical mile! Yeah. One of my favorite places. Two, going two on. blocks over from the nautical mile, a place awesome. called Miller. Um, that's where I. Learned my foundation of, you know, you have to be have some grit. I was fighting. Of course. You know, I was getting off the school bus and getting into fights. I had a knife pulled to my throat at 10 years, like nine years old. I got into a few fist fights, you know, getting off the bus. And, you know, it was a tough neighborhood, you know. So it gave me a little bit of grit. Definitely had some grit in me. Yep. Um, I, I thank Freeport. It gave me a culture because it was multicultural, um, which was, you know, made me understand all races and how people were. And I think it helped me become a chameleon because I hung out with every race. It was Latino, black, Asian, Spanish. I mean, it's just Latino, but Italians, they had everything down there. You know, my, I was from the Caribbean, so it made me very well, you know. Well-rounded. Yeah, cultured, I felt, yeah. you know. So that was until I was like 10, 11 years old. Met one of my best friends there um, that ended up following me to my new town, but we moved to a place called Bethpage. Yeah, I went to a high, I went to a high, small high school called Island Trees High School. Okay. Um, played football there. They named the scholarship after me, uh, the Richie Hossein um, Leadership Scholarship. At the so they give that out every year. That's unbelievable. Um, Wait a second. Talk, so they named the scholarship after you? Yeah. And it's for what is it for? Sports for an or athletes. Academics? Yeah, to right. an athlete that shows leadership on and off the field. Amazing. And that excelled in you know the classroom as well. That's um, well well rounded. Uh, so that so that every year they give that out, and you know, we're really that's something really nice to know. To, hey, an accomplishment. They were they were willing to name something after you. That's awesome. So I hope that I left a good legacy. But yeah. that was my goal. I wanted to be known as somebody. I was wanted to be you know I wanted to leave my impact on the world. So I went to college. I got an opportunity to play football at St. John's University. Amazing. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of people know that about me, but yeah, I played football there. I started as a freshman. I graduated number two in my class at St. John's. Um, I was captain of the football team. I worked my freaking ass. I was a robot. They used to call me a St. John's robot, a lot of guys in my class. So I was always, you know, I wanted to just overachieve. So my family didn't have, so I just felt like if I didn't stack my resume, you know, I wouldn't have the opportunities after college. But everything after college, like, you know, you think things are going to just go in one way, man. I hit hurdle after obstacle after hurdle after obstacle, and, you know, we overcame all of them. But the first obstacle, I, you know, I played college football, went – um, wanted to play pro ball, so I was doing some workouts. Had had an agent, yeah. uh, ran a four four forty at the wow. at, a, at a combine. So people were like, wow, you did that? Yeah, I, I, fuck, man, I was I was flying. You know, I led my team in tackles at St. John's. You know, I was a captain. I was a, a four year starter. So I had some really, dude, I busted my ass. Some amazing accomplishments. You know? Now I look at it, I look back at it. Listen, I wish I would never got all those hits to the head. You know, I got beat up, man. I was in fuck collisions and the equipment wasn't good back then so yeah. who knows what's that gonna do to me now and do and I, I feel it i used to have like a photographic memory and i don't have that anymore but regardless that was an experience i'll never take back i met some of my closest friends some of my best friends two of my friends on the team made me the godfather of their kids that's amazing you know that's an honor yeah a few guys i ended up working with my best friends in the world we've had businesses together we started things together so 
that experience at St. John's, I met some of my closest people in, in my life. Yeah. Um, so when I was going to, I played, tried to play pro ball. I got hurt. I herniated my disc. So I ended up like, thinking I got to. It's always a fucking story that you hear somebody getting injured yeah. right before they're about to. I ran the fastest uh, shuttle run at the combine. The That's guy awesome. didn't believe my time. So they made me run it multiple times. So then I was like, every time I had to beat it because I was just so freaking competitive. I'm like, I'm not going to. No, I think he missed the line. They were like making shit up at this point because I guess they didn't think, you know, I didn't yeah. maybe look the part if I could boogie. I, I mean, I was good at the shuttle run. So um, that was like, a, you know, interesting. But regardless, I herniated my disc trying to beat my time, and that was it. My football career ended. Um, knew I had to get into the real world. Yeah. My first job interview was uh, a job interview on Wall Street. Really? The day I was supposed to go, so my father has been always my alarm, my alarm clock. The yeah. day I was supposed to go into the city, he didn't wake me up that morning for my interview. He forgot. And he said he didn't hear me, but he's never, this man is a machine. My father is like, wakes up, gets his work done, comes home. Like, this guy is a workaholic yeah. machine. So I learned a lot of his characteristics, and that's what I wanted to take away. But he, was, he outworked me to this day. He outworks me. The guy's a machine. So with that being said, um, my first interview the day I was supposed to go in, my dad forgot. All my friends knew I was going for the interview on Wall Street. I knew the guy that was doing it. He was a friend of mine. He yeah. was, it was a, for a seat on the American Stock Exchange. I was going to work as a, you know, an associate. Yeah. Um, so I was going, had to go into the city with him. Uh, he ended up knocking on the back of my door. He was my neighbor. And he's like, yo, where are you? I'm like, oh, my mom forgot to, I, I'll meet you there later. He goes, I'm coming home early. Don't worry about it. So then I contemplated for like an hour with my mom. She was telling me, go, you should go with him, you know. And I was like, no, like, he's leaving early. By the time I get there, he's going to have to leave. And now I kind of effed it up already. So yeah. I ended it, up deciding. It, it wasn't meant to be. I ended up deciding not to go. And that was the day 9-11 happened. That was the day 9-11 happened? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, so I was supposed to be two buildings away. Wow. And if I ended up going in late because I would have been underneath, the, the train comes right underneath the World Trade Center. Wow. So if I would have went the time I was going to go late, get the next train and get the subway, and I didn't know my way around, so I probably would have taken my time, got lost. Who knows? I would have been going into the World Trade Center when I got hit. Who knows where I would have been today? Everything happens for a reason. There's so many decisions you can make in life that's going to get you to where everything, you said it. Things that you would never realize. So I got, over the last couple of years, I got really spiritual. Yeah. I used to be afraid of spirits and ghosts and all this stuff, but I don't know, something, I had like this awakening and I got very spiritual and I started like, you know, happen for a reason. We have angels. We do, man. There's got to be. There's got to be something higher than what it is the next, you know. There's got to be, you know. So, you know, somebody's looking out for us at some point and when it's your time, it's your time, you know. But we got to be amazed by, the, by having the opportunity to be here and do great things. Yeah. Do great work. Like, this life is so short, man. And I have ADHD of business because I'm always doing 100 different businesses, which I got to figure out a way to stay on track with a couple. But you always see me. I do a lot of problems yeah, doing of everything. And I want to do it all because this, I feel like it's going to be short, this little window of, of you life. Try, you want to try to succeed at everything. Holy shoot, this everything. little window of life, man, is giving me anxiety because I want to get it all in. Life and, is so short. And I, I, I really never thought that way until a couple of years ago. You realize how fast life just goes by. And people always say that this time to balance and you know that's something else I wanted to talk about balance because I feel like you know business and life and balancing your time is what a lot of people talk about but I feel like once you're or when you're a younger person right and you're starting in your career or you're starting to do something different in life there's not going to be any balance because life is so short you know how could you not put like a million percent of your time into whatever you're doing you know and 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 
not realize that if I don't do the stuff that I need to do every single day and stay disciplined and stay consistent, you know, I'm not going to get where I need to be. Life is so short. Within the blink of an eye, I'm not going to be 30 years old in a couple of months. And it's not old to some people. I feel like I'm old because I'm in the mortgage business. But I can't even, I'm in like disbelief that it happened so fast. Wow. You know, going back to when I was 20, 21 years old, you know, I thought the problems I had then were problems. Not that now the problems are different. They're bigger. Bigger problems. They're more important. I have a daughter now and I have a family I have to take care of, but I just never, I can't even believe. I'm still in disbelief, like I said, about how fast life has flown by. Absolutely. In these last 10 years. Not, and it's, listen, as they say, as you get older, it just gets faster. Yeah. And they're right. Yeah. The more your brain knows, the faster time is. You ever heard of I that? Agree. That yeah, no, definitely. You know, people say it that way. Like the, the time a one-year-old knows in a day, yeah. one day in 365, is X amount of all they know. Right. As you expand that, the more you know, the faster time has to go. Exactly. You know, just a, it's just a mathematical equation yeah, of course. If, you, if you think about it. So, yeah, so as you get older, time does go faster. And I feel like it's flying, dude. I'm so I'm trying to meet as many people as I can possibly meet, help as many companies as I can help, possibly help. I love connecting people. I love business development, so that's what I do. I help people with marketing. I help people with connections. I help. I throw events because I just genuinely love people and networking and yeah, everybody coming together. So like those things are really makes me excited. Makes me feel alive. Yeah, of course. Doing things like this makes me feel alive. So I'm, I told you I'm selfish with the things I want to do, and I'm trying to do it all. But yeah, man, I'm. You know, my life is get back. Dude, this is a long story, man. So I, I ended up taking a basic job. You know, my I couldn't get a job for nine eleven. Nobody was hiring. Yeah. You know, you couldn't. It was the worst. People was lost all that money. Grade, so I don't really remember Shh. too much back then. <laughs> I was in second baby. grade. Man. Talking about he's getting old. <laughs> what a baby. Um, that's funny. But uh, so yeah, man. So I couldn't find a job. So I was like, had the best resume you could ever think of. It was like pristine, and nobody wanted to hire anyone at that point. So. What got you kind of into the? When did you start in the hospitality business? Was that late, bro? That was late. I had to, so that's stuff. I had to dig wow. ditches, brother. Yeah. You know, I started. Um, got a job at Citibank. It was just, I got my Series Seven and sixty three. Did you? Yeah, I was behind it, but that was the year nine eleven. So everybody was crying. That I don't want my money in the stock. So I was like, the same for me. Yeah. The same for me. Uh, everybody's coming in the first time. I heard stockbrokers always driving the fancy cars, making all this money. I'm yeah. like. You do every day coming to the bank like, and I was a I was a sales associate, so everybody hit me first. The brokers would hide, like tell them I'm not here. They'd be out to lunch. I'd have like, sorry, they don't have money. And so that was I did that for a couple months, cold calling, and found out real fast that wasn't for me. I couldn't sit not behind everybody. I couldn't sit behind a desk, and I wasn't. And at that point, so I a friend of mine was in pharmaceutical sales. Okay. So I was like, wow, I think that's where I want to be. Then I found out he had to have B two B sales experience. So I took a job with Airborne Express. They're now DHL. They compete with FedEx and UPS. Okay. So I took a job with that during 9-11 in Manhattan. Wow. So I was coming from Long Island, taking the train, did that whole process, yeah. learning to take the train, going to the city, I'd cocoa, I'd make appointments, going to appointments to sell Airborne Express, the the you know, the horrible company that you know, messed up all the packages. Like, you would go, if you're going to buy something, you're going to get UPS or FedEx. Of course, you would think, So, everyone, we did save people money, and but we always messed things up, man. We weren't as we weren't as buttoned up as most of these people. So, my job was to bring on new accounts, sales. So, I had to figure out strategic ways on how to do that because in 9-11, you couldn't go to door-to-door anymore because they weren't letting you in the buildings. And cold calling, I freaking hated. Hey, how you doing, mister? So, we'd think of creative ways, man. I'd write letters, I'd put 
a lot of cards and send it to CEOs saying, if you give me, you know, if you, I'm giving you a chance to win a million bucks, just give me one chance to take my phone call. Right. I'd love for you to get back to me. I just want to show you how I can save you 30%. We'd write these people letters. I'd, put, I'd buy 100 freaking, you know, a lot of cards. And once in a while, you get a guy call you back. They liked it. They won. Yeah, you know, so I ended up being rep of the year. Like, you know, that year they were born, I crushed it. But my secret sauce was I actually went down to where they delivered um, packages. And I ended up going out with the drivers and helped them deliver packages and allowed me to get in the door of all these buildings. So I, we would go deliver packages, a nice receptions at the front desk. I'd introduce myself face-to-face. Yeah. And I said, hey, I'd love for you know, us to work together. Um, I see you guys use FedEx. You know, um, I could save you guys 30%. And the best thing is, like, I'm just trying to work my way up in my company. And I'm sure you're trying to do the same. It doesn't have to be my idea. It could be your idea. And I'll just do all the work. I'll do all the heavy lifting. I'll present you the package, save your company 30%. And you'll be showing your boss, like, you're not just going to be here taking orders. Like, you're looking out for the company's best interest. You're looking for their bottom line. And it'll make you, and I hope it helps you accelerate your career. You mind doing that? Can we be friends? Can we exchange numbers? Yeah, they would give me the number. Now, when I'm calling that receptionist, she has a face to me. I was on the phone. How you doing? We would talk. We were joking around. We, were, we had a relationship. And that's how I started building relationships. And that's how I became the best rep in the country, you know. That was my secret sauce. I just was trying to be creative, do some different things, and those things worked. And my difference was I wanted to connect with people face-to-face. Over the phone didn't feel as real to me, you know? Yes, to connect, like I said, from the minute I met you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. And I just felt, I, I told you, that's what gave me a general love for hospitality. So I did good there. Um, then I got a job at, I, had, I was dating a, um, my ex-wife at the time, and she worked in a doctor's office. So okay. I gave her a stack of resumes. I said, every pharmaceutical rep that comes in, give them my res- resume. And <laughs> she ended up doing that. Somebody um, contacted me from Pfizer. I had my chance, an opportunity to get a job with Pfizer. So I went to the interview and met with a district manager, a good friend of mine to this day. His name's Rich Bellello, one of my mentors. Um, beautiful soul, great man, smart guy. And to this day, we're friends and, <clears throat> you know, we've, we've, you know, stayed in touch. So um, he hired me, gave me the job. But I went to that interview like, yo, this is it. This is, I, I'm giving it everything I got. I put it all on the table. I was great. I did everything in life. I was the MVP of my high school team. I was MVP. You know, I I led the team in tackles. I was great in school. Like everything I went after life with, I went with it in that interview, <laughs> because I knew I had one shot. And he he liked me. He signed me up, and I became the same thing with Pfizer. You know, so I became the number one rep in the country um, for our products. Uh, same thing. I did stuff that nobody else wanted to do. I just wanted to outwork people. That, and like I said, I hate that I I'm talking that. so much about me, but oh, it's amazing though. Outwork. I just wanted to outwork people, so I put in the most calls. Like we had a list for Pfizer, pharmaceutical sales. That's what I did. I was going to doctors' offices, and you're supposed to make ten calls a day. You know, when I first started, I was probably making 15, 20, and I just wanted to meet as many people as fast. Um, we had a company card, so we were allowed to take doctors out to dinner and you know speak to them. Yeah. All the reps, nobody wanted to take the doctors out to dinner. I was out every night. I was meeting doctors at the dinner. That's when I felt like I got a chance to really get to know them. They got right. to know me. Because when you go into an office, they're in work mode. They're like, all right, let me sign the paper and get out of here. They don't really give you a chance. But when we got to eat, I actually got a chance to know them. And they got to learn about me, my story, where my family came from. I learned about them. And then they, that only allows you the opportunity now for me to present my product. Exactly. And if you have a chance to present the information, at least they can know why the benefits are. And a lot of people learned for me, teach them the benefits of the products I had, 100%. you know, and the only way I got to that point with them. So in sales is I built a relationship. They trusted my information and they were willing now, you know, if the two things are the same, who are you going to choose? Right. 
minimally I get the business. Yeah, of course. So that was my Pfizer life. I did really well with them. And during that time, I opened up a sports marketing company um, at night, and I was working on the weekends. Wow. So I worked um, for an entertainment company on the weekends. Pfizer was my day job. My night job, I was working on my marketing company. And during the weekends, I worked for an entertainment DJ company. So I literally worked seven days a week almost, except for the summers. But I was, you know, I worked almost seven days a week for seven years straight, bro. Wow. You know? Went from Pfizer, got into medical device sales in the operating room. So I was working for Johnson & Johnson at that time, a, a distributorship. I was one of the first six people in the company. We were doing about $2 million in totality. My territory was doing like hundred grand, let us say. I took that same territory in four years from 100, 100 grand to like $12 million, um, in four years. It's amazing. The entire territory went like Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island with the guys I was involved with because I was, you know, we were working together. Like went from like tw- like the company went from two to like $60 million. From like six sales reps to 50. Quick, in four years. Powerhouse of guys that I was working with. Good friend of mine, Anthony Zito, played college football with. That's how I got to them. That's why I trusted them. He's to this day monster in in the orthopedic industry. He has one of the biggest sales distributorships for sports medicine, you know, in the nation. So he was like my right hand. We built this company with some other guys who ended up not doing the right thing by us. But we're the guys that were carrying the bags in the trenches, building relationships. And I learned a lot, man. I cut my teeth with doctors, mainly. On the weekends, I told you I was working for a DJ company, so I was just making extra money. I'm at nighttime, I, I built a sports marketing company, so we're giving out, like, we, I found a group of experts that can find, you know, winners and give you the best advice on sports games. Got it. Now, so, did that have something to do with having those relationships with when you had some of those big celebrities come to nothing, nothing, in the hospitality business? Nothing, not okay. a single. Wow. Because I was just a, on, we were a sports handicapping company. Got it. Okay. Playersinsider.com, you know, a bunch of sports handicappers, you know, that can, you know, pick games. And they were pretty good at it. And we found guys that love sports. They're like sports experts, sports geeks, you know. Yeah. It's all they lived, breathed, and died sports. So. We were pretty good, and we wanted to do the right thing by people. We wanted to win for people. So, so I built that at night. I, I found teams overseas in India to help me build. A, so I learned how to build websites and develop web, web you know, companies, e-commerce business at night. Daytime, I was doing healthcare, and the weekends, I was doing entertainment. Non-stop. You know, d- working bar mitzvahs, sweet 16s, weddings, you know. And, um, it's all networking, though. Dude, I met so many great people. networking. Somebody I told you, my best friend that I met in the entertainment company, he owns Geo Events, one of the biggest yeah, yeah. You know, entertainment companies right now. And we, I've seen him go from starting up to seeing how great and amazing he is right now. Yeah, yeah. And he deserves it. So, like, I've got a chance to see so much, man. So, from I, working three jobs, for that, you get to save some money. I did really good. I was top rep, so I was making money, you know? I built a company that was great. I started my own sales distribution, and then I had a chance to um, invest into One Oak in Southampton. That's what I wanted to talk about because the Hamptons is one of my favorite places, and I remember seeing that you were involved with, was it AM yeah. Southampton? Or talk, talk about that a little was bit. Was I involved, man? Okay, so I'll <laughs> tell you how this happened. This is, I don't know if anyone knows this story, but everybody knows the Hamptons. Everybody knew that club, One Oak. Everybody knew AM when AM. A little younger, but I wish I, I wish it was now. Oh. I to enjoy those times a little more. A lot of people talk about that. Still, there's, there's amazing memories, amazing history. Yeah, yeah, that place will never be like that ever again. And, I, and I'm telling you, like, I don't want to be selfish, but I worked my ass off to make sure it was great. So my first year was an investor. Didn't really know much about nightlife at all. Didn't know how this process worked. I'm, and when, I, when was this? Like, it's like 2000, shoot, 15, 14 okay. maybe. Um, gonna have to check those dates. 
Somewhere I got divorced. Hold on, I got divorced in thirteen, so maybe around then. Okay. Actually, yeah, maybe around 2013, 14. So, um, I invested. Little did I know that they didn't plan on ever giving me my money back. It was like you know what they did to people in nightlife. Hey, invest, you right. know. Yeah. So I went to the club. The owner never has to put up his own money. That's how yeah, it works. It's pretty interesting. Of, yeah, of- it's <laughs> pretty interesting that that racket. But I didn't think that. So I went there. Like I felt like I was just like a. A guest. They weren't really treated. I didn't feel like I was being treated like an owner. I'm like, what do you mean? I funded this operation. What's going on? Well, part of it was really weird, actually. And the first year I went there, I was like, even like telling my friends I bought this nightclub, this and that. And then I'm trying to get my friends in. I can't even get my friends in the club. It was really interesting. So that made me like, wow. So the first year they didn't really pay me, pay us back what we were supposed to get. Second year comes, asked us to put more money in. Like, hey, you know, we, you know, we this and that. I'm like, wow. So I'm learning the business. I'm learning that One Oak wasn't owner of that. There was a group that owned it that licensed the One Oak name. Right. So One Oak got 10% of um, how much ever money was being made. They got a percentage of that finances. Let's say they, So One Oak only cared about raising gross profit, right? Exactly. So business, gross doesn't mean you could make $100 million, but if you it cost you $103 million, you lost $3 million, You know what I mean? And you did $100 million in sales, right? right. So we did um, heavy sales, but we didn't make no money. We lost money. Yeah. So I was like, these guys are now. I'm like, my first year, I'm like, these guys aren't operating right. We were packed every night. We had, money. but they were paying their friends. They were giving the guys at the front door big check, big salaries. Everybody had big salaries. The whole place had big salaries. So I'm like, wow, that's not not right. And um, then they were hiring. I figured out they were hiring like celebrities to come to Hamptons, paying them more in Hamptons and getting them for cheaper in the city where they actually were the owners. Right. So I was like, wow, that's not right. Um, and then they were utilizing, you know. Liquor companies would give sponsorships and give spends. They take all the spends back to the house and give no spends to the Hamptons properties. It's like, what the heck is going on? We're not seeing any of this money. So I figured out in a year or two really quick, and then I gave them an opportunity at the end. I was like, I'm not doing this. You guys owe me a lot of money. I was really lawyered up. I said, you're either going to – I'm going to keep the place, and I'm going to just open my own brand. You guys could take a walk, um, and I'll sue you for, you know, what you guys have been doing. Right. Or just give me my money back. I don't want to mess up what you got. You got a great thing going. You got a great brand. Just take the place. Give me my money back. I call it evens. I, I get it. I get the racket. Yep. You guys have made money. You guys are a big brand. One Oak in all the world. You have all these places. I'm like, just give me my money back and take my keys. Take my share. They offered me one. So when I, the offer came, they offered me one like fifth of the investment back. That was like a smack in the face to me. I'm like, listen, you got till Friday. You think I'm screwing around? Like, you don't know anything about nightlife. How are you going to do it? You can't do it. I said, regardless, what you just did was a smack in the face. You got till Friday. If not, I'm doing it myself. And that's it. Friday came, sorry. Didn't hear from them. Heard from them like two weeks later. What are you doing? I said, I have my logo ready. My brand is AM Southampton. I designed it. I created it myself. I came up with it. I, I learned how to look from my web development day. I knew logo design, I know branding, built a website. Um, so AM Southampton was you. I designed it, developed Amazing. it, branded it, logoed it. I, everything that was in there. I'm t- so I, I, I found a partner in Southampton. His yeah. name is Zach Redem. Yeah. He owns 75 Main. I approached him saying, hey, this is an opportunity for us. So he went half with me. So we went after the target. Um, I wish, so Zach was the operator. I was the promoter, marketer. Yeah. So I, I didn't know how to operate. That's not what I did. So I hired an operator, so he operated it, and I came up with everything else, the design. The, I booked every talent. I called up every produce, um, manager. I called up every DJ, myself. I, I was negotiating contracts. I taught myself this business, yeah, literally, for one summer long. Like I literally taught every – I booked all the talent. Um, 
And I, we were booking talent. We first opening weekend, I had Fat Joe, I had this one, I had that one. So I kind of understood the formula One Oak was going for. I wanted to be a little bit different. I wanted to tell people when they came to our doors, um, everybody's welcomed. You know, you, you know, listen, it's going to be an elevated experience. It's going to be more expensive, and you know, but it's going to be a great time. So I had make sure we had confetti, we had dancers, I'd had things going on, I had entertainment. I was, I made it a, a, um, a scene. You, you know, had, you had some some unbelievable. Some serious celebrities that pulled up. Everyone, like the Kardashians. Yeah, we had everyone. Michael Jordan. Talk, talk, talk about that. How do you? How do so you the best. Like so the best day up? of my life, I could tell you, literally, when Michael Jordan came. <laughs> of course. Any young athlete, you know, like I grew up in that era of Jordan. Like he's, for to get Michael Jordan to come to your club, it was probably like the year two. I think he came. I've had some big celebrities. I had every name you could think of. I had everybody. Though I was in the Hamptons. We had everybody came to, and we were the only nightclub really in the Hamptons. And we did a really good job. Yeah. So we had everybody. The biggest names you could think of, they stopped over. And I was booking the biggest talent. I was booking all the big DJs, all the big hip-hop artists, the rappers. I, 50 Cent did a set there. He, he brought out Lloyd Banks. He brought out like a crew. They, did a, they were supposed to do three songs. And he did a whole hour performance because I think he was just feeling the energy of the Hamptons. That's amazing. It was one, it was the, one of the most amazing nights I could ever think of. One of, the, one of many. Um, so that whole Hamptons every weekend, I was living in Beth, Beth Page at the time, Plainview. I, was, I mean, yeah, I was driving out there yeah. every night. One, and I didn't, I didn't like sleeping out. I've done that a few times. But only I was doing it on. I would go out there Friday, night, come home, all an hour, hour and fifteen. Wow. Friday, Saturday night, the same thing, come home, an hour and fifteen, both ways. I was driving because I love my bed so much. I, I don't like same sleeping way. in another person. I don't sleep in a hotel. Freaking so. Could be any minute when I'm in that place. I'm like, guys, I'll see you later. I yeah. Get back I'm, I'm I'm a fan of my bed. I'm a fan of home. So I literally drove back and forth. I put so many miles probably on it, but I love what I was doing. I, we were doing it really well, and uh, that was a freaking great. But I'm gonna tell you from the branding, the logo, the design, the party, the entertainment side. That was me. Uh, my partner uh, Zach at the time was. Uh, helping with operations we hired a lot of really good people i met a, i've had had some of the best teams i wish i could take credit for everything but you know we had a really good team i hired one person after the next my, my one of my best friends this day william sonnet we opened up a hospitality group together we launched a brand we launched playboy club in new york city we launched red rabbit in new york city together he was he ended up taking over operation he was a militant we call him military will and he ended up taking over operations for us and I did my thing, he did his thing, and we've got made really good friends with a lot of great promotional teams. We had some of the best, and we launched Red Rabbit. It crushed. Yeah, I had Travis Scott, I had stuff. Future, I had some of the biggest dudes, man. Like that, another place, Meek Mill pulled up. Um, every every Nick was coming on a regular basis. I had, you name it, you name it, we had it. And then the same thing, we brought that entertainment to New York City. We brought it uh, hospitality to New York City. Uh, unfortunately, we had a sewage leak, so we had to close um, the building behind us. Had a sewage leak, so it was going into our basement. So the building ended up getting condemned. Wow. But during that time, Playboy um, approached me, um, and they wanted me to run Playboy Club in the city. Uh, and the Playboy Club New York City, they wanted me to come in and help them with the restaurant and nightclub. So they made me the president. So I got a chance to be like, this is all happening. A guy that did not knew nothing. Wow. A guy that knew nothing, never was in hospitality before, was in healthcare, marketing, and entertainment because I thought of, that was you. I thought you were the hospitality guy from the beginning. Yeah, I, I, I taught myself that. the business. I taught it, dude. I was when I was at AM the first year. I answered the phones. I returned every email. Um, I booked every almost all the tables promoters did. The first month I had no promoters help me, so we booked all the tables myself. I 
taught myself digital marketing to market online to get people to see the place, market our flyers. Yeah. I taught myself flyer design, got people to help us with flyers. All the front end stuff. I had one or two people. No, I didn't have much help. Just a little bit here and there. I took it all on my own shoulders because I didn't trust anyone to do it the way I wanted it done. I booked every piece of talent. Dude, I was negotiating contracts. It was so much fun. And I taught myself the whole entire business. But I taught, you know, from, from front of the house, from the security, how I wanted it operated. Instead of most clubs, you go, they come in, they're mean and tough. I wanted our security officer to say, welcome to AM. Yeah, right. You know, greet the people. Because once they come inside this place, they're our guests. We want to show them the utmost hospitality you can for anyone. You're going to roll out the red carpet for them. We ask them to spend money with us. We're going to bust our asses for them to make sure they have a great time. They get great treatment. And listen, did we make mistakes? Yeah, did mistakes not go always perfect? Absolutely. But we were built to want to give great service. The team, the people, the culture. And many people think, you know, I was in nightlife. I don't drink. Ask every one of my teams, busters to waiters and waitresses. They couldn't believe owner of a nightclub doesn't drink. Yeah, he asked you for a drink when we got here. You said yeah, no. Yeah. Surprising. And the good thing my partner didn't as well. The people I hired, my boy Will, he didn't drink. The, my operations guy. that. So we just were straight business. Yeah, you guys were sharp, though. We That's were sharp. We were on it. We cared. And, and I think we delivered a, an amazing experience. People still talk about it. Yeah. This day, I can't. You know, that, people, those are names that we know, and I wasn't even, I was 18, 19 years old when AM Southampton, if it was 2012, that's when I graduated yeah, high school. Yeah, we went to like, somewhere around yeah, that we went time. to like 18, I think, five years, so maybe 14 to 18, 14 to 19, that was, the, was around that time. It was awesome. I wish you would have seen it. But, um, you never know what happens in the future again. You never know. Some exciting stuff, hopefully. So Why not? Well, there's so many things we can do in this world, yeah. so AM, went to Red Rabbit, um, there's so many stories. My father, can... actually, I don't know if you know the place. It was in Great Neck, and I forget if he, I don't think he bought it from Richie Markowitz, but it was the living room okay. in Great Neck. My father actually was in that business, it was, this is probably 20 years ago. You know, he was, him and my Uncle Michael and his friend who actually passed away at 50 from a massive heart attack, Dr. Mike, may he rest in peace. They decided to go partners on this lounge called the living room, you know, in Great Neck, um, like 20 years ago. And I was so young, I didn't really know about the business, but I just remember hearing the same things. You know, yeah, it's so exciting to be, I feel like, a part of something like that. And that's always been a dream of mine, too, to get into a business like that eventually, or just to have a business like that, to have somewhere to go to and to enjoy yourself and to bring the people you love around and yeah. to wine and dine them and to show yeah. them hospitality. Um, but so I remember glad. him even growing up that 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 was a challenging bit you know there was only so many years that it lasted because i feel like in that business you have your run yeah there's some people that last forever you know in the restaurant it's not business easy. or nah, it's just, listen, business, people change time change you get run. covid yeah. happens this thing happens you know he said liquor was how they made most of their money. Yeah, that's it. Liquor's how they made most yeah. of their money. And they, they gave you a hard time about that, too. You know, every, yeah. we had that's what I was to worry say. about the fire marshals right. shutting us down. We over capacity. Exactly. All these things we had to worry about. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, didn't, they didn't make it easy for you to do it. No. So it was actually hard. It was harder and harder to make, they made to do it. So um, they shut us down on our biggest nights. And I think it was unfortunate because I think we were a great thing for the town. It made people want to come out yeah, to the Hamptons. Um, and I think they were just trying to every possible way to shut it down. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, listen, we're you know, I, it was it was a great run. It was a great experience. Yeah. And I thought you got into the Manhattan. I was then I was doing it in Manhattan. Went from the Hamptons, skipped Long Island. Think about it. It's where I was born yeah, and raised. Right. 
I skipped Long Island. I went from the Hamptons to straight to Manhattan. And I was doing it on the big, biggest stage of the world. Long Island's tough. I feel like people tried to rename so many places that you see the same results. You know, we need what? something. We need something on Long Island. We need something on Long Island. Dude, we need something so badly on Long Island. So maybe we'll do something. Let's, let's figure out a way to do something on Long Island. I would love to bring that type of energy to Long Island because, like I said before, that's something I always the game I is, love that. The game has changed, though. Yeah. No more. After, what I realized from being in nightlife, after 2 a.m., only bad things happen. It's true. So what I would like my next venture to be will be um, it's like a dinner party. I want to do a nightlife, but do a dinner. Yeah, it's During cool. dinner time. Fridays and Saturdays, Sunday brunch, and that's it. You could get the experience. You want to hang out, come out. If you're on Long Island, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll turn up like a, if you want to be like you're in a nightlife venue during dinner, music, party, hanging out, good people, good vibes, good food. Um, that's the type of vibe I want to bring and have entertainment, have shows, have dancers, like make it an experience. Yeah, have like dance sets, like choreographed dance sets. Have, you know, the fake Michael Jackson come out with his dance crew and put on a performance for the, for the audience while you're eating right. dinner. Everybody wanted to dance a little bit, you know, just get some real cool things going, you know? So that's, that's kind of the, that would be the, if I was going to do it again, I wouldn't do nightclub because also what I realized, nightclub brings out the younger people. It's Nothing true. wrong with the younger people, but the older people are the ones who have the money. Right. Those are the people that are willing to spend some, you know, extra dollars on a champagne and some nice drinks. So that's kind of where I, I mean, listen, it'll be open for everyone, but like I said, that's the experience. The next one I'm going to do, if I do something, it'll be something like that. So... That's what are, uh, not to cut you off, I'm sorry. I wanted to uh, talk about, I feel like a lot of people like this topic, some of the dark things about the knife life, nightlife industry. Like, what are some of the things that people might not really know about that business? I feel like there's so many things that might happen behind the scenes or, you know, a a anything. You know, what's, what's a crazy story that, you know, you could think of? You know, I'm sure you have a million of them. So we, the like good thing said. about hospitality, you have hospitality respect, yeah. right? So what hospitality, you don't see anything. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the kind of code of honor in hospitality. I love that. You know, it's so people are allowed to come out and do what they have to do. Yeah. Um, and that's not my business to ever talk. But yeah. the things you can think about that can happen with waiters, waitresses, um, celebrities, whatever you can think would happen if it could happen probably happened it probably happened you know get 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 funky with it you yeah. know what i'm saying you know and and teach their own because it's not my right to judge anybody the only one that could judge me is the big man and myself i'm here to judge myself in the mirror. what's um, the most amount of money somebody spent in, in one night 100 100 200 grand you know was that a celebrity or just... um no no hedge fund guys you know oh, some yeah. some big hedge fund guy they 100 grand one a guy spent it on his son's birthday 80 grand you know, on champagne, wanted to give everybody champagne bottles. So, no, the Hamptons people spend money, man. They, they, we had we had some big spenders out there, and they didn't mind spending it. So we had some really cool, fun nights. I'm telling you, with people popping bottles. But um, from the bad stuff, the, the thing I didn't care for it is because I told you things. The bad things happen after two a.m. Too much alcohol, yeah. Yeah, people change. You know, they become a different person. Too many drugs, they become a different person. So you, that's some scary stuff. Those are the scary things, and you. To stay up those late hours, guess what? People have to, they have to take stuff. You know, I'm, I'm sure they were taking either Red Bull or other things to stay up. And that's the kind of character of people you get in the nightlife industry. That's what I didn't really understand because I came from business. I went to college. I had a degree. And I only knew how to do business one way. I dealt with doctors and surgeons and hospital owners and CEOs of hospitals. 
So you can't screw up. In Long Island, New York, if small world, you mess up, you're that guy. So everything I had to do was proper. So I carried that to nightlife. And I tried to make sure everybody got paid. Like people in nightlife don't get paid. Like yeah. they, they screw people over all the time. A lot. You know, the business owners in nightlife, I don't know. I don't know where the world they come from, but I'm just thinking of the type of character they might be. They're probably, you know, on the streets. There were promoters and they were running in these crowds, doing drugs and alcohol. And then that's what else would you expect from those? You know, I don't know what we can expect. They weren't taught well. They probably didn't have good mentors, you know, and they end up owning clubs and they only knew how to do business that way. And you hear a lot of contractors, right? Yeah. Contractors don't know how to do sometimes good business. They don't show up on time. It's, it's what you're taught, you know? And I was, unfortunately, I had strict parents. I was taught values, show up on time. Right. You knew podcast at 7.30. I was here at 7.00. You were on time. Yeah, you were surprised by that, I'm sure. I'm I'm a few minutes late sometimes. Well, nothing wrong with any bro. I, we, we all we all you know sometimes I'm a little bit late, so I understand that end of it. But you you, you can't be. You have to operate. You know, you're operating on someone else's time. Right. That's how I you know that's how you have to be when you're, you're going you somewhere. Ca- so. You came, offer this opportunity. You know we made a commitment to it, and that's awesome. And thank you for holding to your commitment. You oh, know? Of course. But um yeah, at least I can do is be on time. You know, don't get me wrong. Have I been late? Absolutely. I'm not. No one's perfect. But I try to respect the other people's time. You know. I like going a little early, making sure I can find if I have to find parking, and make sure whatever the situation is, I could scope out the whole right. entire thing. So I want to, I kind of want to know a little bit. I don't want to be just showing up and like running, and then trying to figure it out when we got here. Yeah, I kind of yeah. don't know what I wanted to get comfortable. I wanted to meet your guy, your friend. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you got a good team here. These guys are unbelievable. I appreciate so. it. I saw something on your social media. Something about eleven eleven. Oh yeah. Um, is that like a move? Is that like a movement? Or oh, you have it tatted on you too? You're gonna get it next. What is that? So as I've been going through this life, I feel like life's alignment. And you align with certain people for a reason. And I think 11-11 is all about alignment, right? And then in the spiritual thinking is how you connect with some people. The energy that flows between each other. And you you get that connection with people, you know? There's certain people you know you can't get... As much as you try, it's like... You can't be sitting two feet away from certain people that you know that you haven't forget not meeting them before. You just don't vibe with certain people. Bro, we just met, and how are we vibing? Like yeah. it's just it's an energy thing, exactly. You know, and that's kind of what eleven eleven. Like I told you, I got, I got like you know into this whole spiritual thing, and I know, love that. I think alignment is so important. How we align with. Um, I don't know if you know. I told you, but I'm I'm, in, I'm currently in a global leadership program with Harvard. You are. I'm doing a one year program with them right now. Wow. I had classes today with with the group. I'm helping them launch a global healthcare leader foundation. That's so fantastic. we're gonna be we're gonna be um, getting leaders, global leaders together, to help fix global issues and to make the world a better place. So I've had the lucky uh, of being a part of this group. Um, there were three cohorts that that put uh, participated within this. There were about 50 each. So now we have all 150 of them um, within this foundation we're creating of global leaders from around the world. Guys like myself, people like myself that are, you know, care, that care a lot, that want to make a real difference in the world. So now we're putting them together and then we're creating a foundation. We're in the process of setting it up. It actually is something we should be videotaping and recording and like um, creating content now that I think about it. Yeah. I'm also um, created, I, I launched my uh, digital marketing and creative marketing agency. Um, it's called Influence Media. So I launched that this year and now I'm helping brands do business development, connect dots. Um, bringing influencers, content creation, 
Um, I think content is currency. That's the world we're living in right now. If you're not making content, um, you're like, it's not like, it's like you're not investing in the stock market. It's like you're not investing, you know, into yourself. It's not invest, like if you're not creating content in this day and age, um, you see guys like Gary Vee, Hermosi, like they're putting up hundreds of pieces of content a week. Unbelievable. So it's like they're investing hundreds of million dollars into the stock market. Yeah. That's how I look at content this, this day and age. It's an opportunity, like to, it's real currency. The more content you have, the more views you have, it's worth something. You're a valuable asset on the internet. So I love that. Content yeah. is currency. Yeah. I never heard yeah, that. I want, to get a, I want to get a shirt and some hats. We're going to make shirts after this, actually. Right. Content you is you ready currency. to partner on that? I'm ready. I, yeah, I love that. Let's do it. Content is currency. Right. Yeah. I feel like so many people, and like I was saying when you got here, two years ago we started posting real estate videos because I'm in the mortgage business. We were never consistent with the media. And I feel like in my business or in a sales business, you always stick to your basics, you know, smile and dial, you know, network with your people, you know, have your referral partners, and that's how you earn your living. But once I realized that, and I feel like I'm behind, you know, five years ago, people started posting videos yep. and started making we're, content. Brother, Ten years ago. We are behind. We're behind. But you don't want to miss it now. But we're also ahead of so many people that haven't yeah. even started. We're so ahead. And that's what I feel like, and the reason I'm saying what I'm saying is, is because there's a lot of people who don't believe that it should be whether it's a sales funnel to help you get business, whether it's for your personal brand, you know, whether you want to you speak and give back. You can people. get to anyone you want on right. this internet through social media. Exactly. You want to talk about your product? You want to talk about mortgages? You become the expert of mortgages. The world, like, that side is really smart. The people watching this content, and they know if you're a bullshit artist before, like, right. th because we're watching so many people and we're analyzing so many things at the same time, our brains have changed. We can analyze something if we like it, don't like it, if it's bullshit or whatever, and so fast. Like, we're becoming speed of lightning because we're just creating content. All you do all day long is swipe up, down, left, right, on your computer, this, like, your content, like, about to explode with content. So that allows us to quickly see who's real or not. So if you want to talk about mortgages and you're real and genuine, the world will buy from you. I'm telling you, they, they really want to buy from good people. Like we want to see good people doing good things. And instead of now watching Netflix all the time, like social media is a, is a real world Netflix, right? And the people you attach to, the same as you do on Netflix, these shows is like real people you attach to and you see their lives and you're watching their lives. You know, and how they're growing and what they're doing. Are they lazy? Are they doing stuff? Are they active on the internet? Are they not? Like, you can characterize somebody by the actions you see with them on the internet. And that's how now we communicate. Nobody communicates anymore like this. So when they actually see people talking and talking into the camera and communicating, like, wow, we, this people are making it. Like, yeah. there's stuff going on. Like, right. So that's kind of like the whole world is, like, rooting for great things to happen. Right. So we've got to put more good energy, good people surrounding each other to keep flooding this world with positivity and good energy because there's a lot of hate and negativity. As you can see, the world right now, we're extremely divided, right? Yeah. Like, there has not been more lines in the world than it is today. Lines in the sand everywhere. Religion, race, politics, you name it, there's a line in the sand. You've got to choose, I've got to choose. You've got to choose, I've got to choose. Where are you going to live? What country? What religion? This, that, like, black, white, green, Spanish, yellow, it doesn't matter. you got to choose. Why? Everybody has the right to be who they are. Like, we should never be putting anyone in position to choose. You have the right to like what you like. Take in the information. If you, it's a, it's, it's, um, you know, it feels good if inside, that's your opinion. I don't got to judge you. I don't got to hate you because you are on the other side. Yeah. I got to respect I, you. I agree with that. Because at the end of the day, if we want to go this way, if we want to go forward like a laser missile, if we want to go forward, we have to collaborate. If we want to slow down 
progression, we divide. Keep, keep get further and further away from each other because you're never gonna progress because your side is gonna take a stance. I'm gonna take a stance, and there's no collaboration and there's no moving forward. And the world today needs to figure out a way to get rid of these lines because whatever this negative, positive and negative energy you think you want to believe in God, you want to think of energy, you want to think we are built with energy. We know that. That's a fact. It's science. We are built. We're atoms. We're ions. We are built on energy. So there's negative and there's positive. Positive does what? Resembles. Yeah, exactly. Pushes positivity. Negative does the same. And we're in this major world battle of negative and positive forces. What do you want to deliver to the world? I I completely agree. And I feel like a lot of people have a hard time with people having an opinion on something or whatever it is. And I've always been a person that if you believe in something, you know, God bless you. You know, you're allowed to believe in what you believe in. Um, I'm the type of person that might not speak about all of that stuff to the world, but I'm not going to judge you based on your opinion. You think that way because of a reason, I'm sure. So you're entitled to your own opinion. And I feel like a lot of people, without being educated in society today, have an opinion or don't let people have an opinion. Well, remember, Educate we're, yourself. We're, we're on the phone now. We're not having yeah. these conversations anymore. Right. We're not. They're not happening. It's just like a rea- it's just people are just reactive instead just of reactive. let me let me educate myself, find out let why I believe this. Person. this. Let me exactly. figure out his story. Exactly. What his parents taught him. Right. You know? And maybe we can have a divine conversation and come to some common ground. But that's not what's happening. There's no negotiations anymore. Right. I'm taking a stance. I'm this side. I'm that side. Like, yeah. you see it. Even with these wars that are going across, it's across the... It's sad. It's all ego, too. It's all, everything is ego-driven. Everybody's got these big egos because of this flex. You don't have to flex to be great. You, you have nothing to prove to anyone except for yourself. Go live your life. If you like the nice, expensive, fancy things... Go earn. Go work. There's 24 hours. You work 23 and a half of them. You don't have that work-life balance. And I'm telling you, I lived that life. I was working seven days. Seven, I didn't have that work-life balance. I dedicated my life to my work, but I loved it. Yeah. It made me happy. Who's anybody to judge me? It made me happy. I wanted to provide. I wanted to do great things for my family. And I wanted to make them ha- live in nice houses. And I felt great working. It didn't hurt me. My friends would see me. Even I told you, on the weekends, I'd be with my friends. We would go during the day to... I'm answering every freaking call that came into the nightclub. Every text that came in, I'm answering. So I never had time for anybody. I was just like this the whole time. But I loved it. I knew I was giving good customer service. I knew yeah. I was talking to the people. I was booking tables. I was making sure the place was, you know, doing well. So I did every role. Like, I was a, I was a maniac, but... That's how I always was. I'm on... Last year, I'm on vacation on a cruise with my mother's side of the family because we don't get to go away that much anymore. And I remember I'm on a jet ski in the ocean in the Caribbean, and I'm on a FaceTime with one of the guys I work with, talking to a client, saving a deal. No matter where you are, if you're built that way and if you operate that way, you're bulletproof, and a lot of people don't operate that way. I was always the guy that you have to take that phone call right now because that's business. You have a person on the other line that relies on you or whatever it is. So it makes you different. That's why you yeah, – that, but that puts you in the position I'm sure you are in today, right? Like, and people always say, "Is that is that person, you know, um, is it natural? Is it, you know, is it built? You know, I think it's a little bit of everything, man. It's in your DNA. You know, you have to have it in your DNA. But can someone turn it on? I think so. Yeah, I agree with that. It, I think you know you got it. It comes to a sense of maturity. You have to be at a certain level of maturity. You have to be around a certain level of things, the environment, to, to make it click. Like it doesn't click. Like I don't know if it clicked. Maybe it was. I, you, did you see the story about me on the internet running? Uh, I ran through my race with my cousin. Did you see that? Story? No, no, I didn't. Okay, so I'm gonna tell the story again because 
I don't think I did it justice the first time. Maybe I did. Five years old, okay? I'm in my house in Freeport, New York. It's yeah. a long house. It's, it's not wide. It's, it's long. So it's like, think about like a little rectangle, right? In the back of the house was the living room. My, yeah. You know, there was a couch and TV. In the middle of the house was the kitchen. Front was the foyer. So the back of the house had the doors, like to go out to the back. We lived on a wood cleft. We live on uh, wood cleft. We live on Miller on the on the canal. So I had a, a canal in the back, and I got I, I jumped in a few times and I almost bought a condo at the end. Didn't there. know how to yeah. swim, yeah. and my mom had the family saved me. I was like four years old. I was in, I was a maniac. I felt bad for my parents, but regardless, I'm in this house. Okay, long narrow house. Think about it. I'm, my cousin's like, yo, I could beat you in a race. I'm like, there's no way you could beat me in a race. I'm the fastest kid of this age. Right? That's how I always felt. So we go to race. He's on the back. You know, I'm on. I'm actually facing this way. I'm where you are. He's here. So we have our hands on the on the on the wall. My uncle's on the couch, and I'm like, "You gotta say ready, set, go." So my uncle's on the couch. My family's in the kitchen. In the front, there's nobody. So ready, set, go. Boom. We're off to the races. My uncle's like, "Slow down." They're gonna yell in the kitchen. My parents, "Oh, guys, slow down." Yeah. So we're getting to the to the door. My house was built long and narrow. There was a door and a glass pane window right next to it. We're head to head. He's right there. I'm running, running. He's head to head. I'm like, shoot, the door's coming. If I slow down, I might lose. I keep running. Right through the glass pane window. Glass on my face. I'm bleeding. Got up. Victory. That's all you cared about. I'm bleeding. My parents were looking at me like I'm crazy. But that's how I, since I was five years old, I've been attacking life ever since that way. Head down. Busting through glass pane windows. No matter what comes at you. And, bro, there's obstacles. I'm telling you, all of us, the whole world, you, me, there's no, this life wasn't built to not have obstacles. And you can have all the money in the world. I guarantee you have some obstacles. You're facing challenges. Maybe you, you know, you're addicted to drugs. Right. You're addicted to porn. You're addicted to gambling. You're addicted to doing bad things. Cheating on your freaking wife. I don't know. This, everybody has, the, the world is never going to, you're going to find a problem. So if you're living in a world thinking there's not... No one has obstacles. No one has, you've got to be built to say, I'm going to overcome every challenge. My goal in life is to figure them out. That's what makes me stay alive. I feel alive when I'm figuring out problems, right? When you're providing solutions, figuring out things, how to use your brain to make things work, to navigate, that's when we feel the most alive. And when people are trying to compete for something. Right. Running through that, I was competing for something. College football was competing for something. I was trying to win. That made me feel so alive. So guess what? Once you stop doing those things, your body's going to think what? It's time to decay. It's time to start dying. So when you're not making your life feel alive, your brain knows you're smart enough to say, hey, he's still living. I need to keep this guy strong and powerful. Right. So that's what you got to bring to the world every single day. No matter what you it is. You want to stay alive. It don't matter if you're five years old, you're trying to learn how to do things, 20, 30, 40 You've got to continue to... I'm going to Harvard. What, I have no business going to Harvard. It's amazing. You're going to Harvard now. For a year program, like with, the, with some of the biggest in the world, the, help, the global leaders of the world. It's this is who I'm surrounding myself. So, yeah. Listen, I've surrounded myself with nightlife industry, and I'm getting surrounded myself with um, global leaders. It's great, both. I learned so much from both sides. I learned a lot from this side. I can apply a lot to this side. Because what I'm realizing is the really, really smart people in this world, they have their own challenges. They have their own way. They don't know how to have um, politics. They're too smart for themselves sometimes. Yeah. You know you get in your way sometimes even being too smart. You're overthinking things. You know, so don't, like, I saw a thing by Jack Ma. He said his job as a leader was to put the smartest people in the room. 
And his job was not, because the smart people, it's hard for smart people to work together. His job was to get them to work together. And that's when you have things work really well. Get the smartest of the smartest of every industry. Sales, accounting, marketing. Put all the smart people in a room. Smarter than him. He wanted, he was not afraid to surround himself with smarter than people than him. Most people have egos. What do we try to do? No, you're too smart. Get the freak out. I'm going to get fired. I'm, I'm going to look bad if someone's better right, than right. me. On the last episode, my best friend, and we also worked together, he said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. But a lot of people, like you said, it's an ego thing. They always want to be the smartest person in the room. You know, maybe they feel like they want to be in control or whatever it is. I know for myself, even in my office, in my environment, I love when people, you don't love when people do better than you, but I love being around people that do better than me because it pushes you to be better. And it pushes you. Like, I want to accomplish that for myself. You know, so... When you, when you race someone, when you're trying to be fast, you're trying to sprint. Like, let's say we're trying to compete in the Olympics for the gold medal. Yeah. Do you race with someone slower than you? Do you race someone faster than you? Faster, of course. You got it. That's the only way the muscle's going to grow and build and break down. And it happens with your brain. It happens with your body. It happens with your soul. You got to break it down to rebuild it. Yeah. The, pay, the pleasure is actually in the pain. And once we start learning, wow, the pain is what's... No pain, no gain. That's what they sin. say. That's if what they say. You know if it hurts, pretty much you're growing. Right. Reading books hurts. Long ones, spending the time, then it hurts. Waking up early hurts. Working out, pushing yourself to lift heavy weights hurts. Running long distance hurts. The things that hurt, cold baths hurt. Not eating big everything in sight hurts. Yeah. But being around some of those high-level people, like even the people that, like the Harvard program that you've joined, I'm sure to see some of those people operate with their back against the wall. And like you said, some of those people with all the money in the world, they're going through challenges that... Everyone is. Diff- yeah, everybody is. But to learn how those people operate with their back against the wall and under pressure, I'm, I'm gonna you tell know, you right I want to learn from, that, from those people. I, I want to be around those people. I feel like I'm out of my league every single day yeah. when I'm around them. But it's pushing me. Yeah. And I'm going to figure it out. You know, I'm going to yeah. figure it out. I'm going to run a little faster. Yeah. I'm going to get a little bit early in the gym. Of course. You know, Are you into the whole fit? I, we didn't talk yeah. about that. Are you into the fitness yeah, thing? I love training. You know, I grew up. My body hurts, though. I'm going to tell you that from football. My body hurts. Oh, yeah. What's you said you played. Yeah. I, my body hurts, man. But I'm still, I'm training, of course. I'm trying to. It's new for me. Figure out different ways to keep my mind. I did orange theory for a little while, you know. Um, I did. I do intermittent fasting nice. as well. Um, now I'm back to living like I'm trying to live at heavyweight. I got I lost a lot of weight, so um, with that I felt like I lost muscle. So now I'm trying to live heavyweight again, you know, and try to rebuild a little bit. So I'm doing push-ups early. I'm doing like a little thing, like 50 push-ups, 50 um, sit-ups, 50 air squats, 50 burpees. You know, I'm trying to incorporate that every day into my my regular routines. I love that. Um, just want to keep keep going, you know. That's something new for me. I never that was never a part of my life, the fitness thing and really? the personal development thing. No, it's probably six months where. I woke up six months ago, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going on my boat one more summer looking the way I look. And people say, oh, you're skinny, or you look good, you look healthy. No, it's, I don't feel good. I never felt good about wow. myself. Surprising. Um, yeah, I played sports growing up, and I was always athletic, and I would not play something and then do well at it. You know, but the fitness thing, getting into the gym and having that type of routine was something I never was able to implement into my life until you doing it? probably six months ago. I woke up, and I said, I'm done. How does it feel? It's the best thing I've ever done in my life, aside from other things. So we're giving obviously. people in this world the answers to the test, right? Of course. We give them say, hey, you feel better when you work out. Right. Feel when you push yourself, you read. But I guess the, the biggest issue we have is no one can do it for you. Right. That's the person. When you're waking up in the mirror every morning and looking into the mirror, 
you got to decide what you want to be. It's you versus you. That's it. That's the only person you have to make proud. It's actually the only person at the end of the day you got to be selfish for. Right. And what version of you do you want to present to this world? You have one shot at it. And I was telling you before, like, it goes fast, and it's just going to keep going faster and faster. So if you're going to try to, you know, attack this life, listen, to each their own. Some people are going to want to do everything. Some people are going to want to do nothing. But who is who am I to judge? Who are you to judge? Right. What right. People can be. But we are at least going to give them the answers to the test. Of course. They're the answers for my test that's working for me. You tell me what's working for you. Of course. Some of the stuff I'm learning from already, man. You know? That's, that's what like, it's about. Yeah. I can't believe this is the first time we actually met. No. <laughs> it, I've, I've had relationships like that with people in life right. where you sit with somebody you, you feel like you've had a relationship forever. Yeah. And it's Probably nice. A, maybe it's a nice past life. Yeah, it's nice to connect with people like that because you know that. Could have been brothers. Or got something. nothing to do with age. Yeah. You know, I've always hung around people that were older than me growing up. I was always, I was always, I was grandpa. No, come on, I was always yeah, that. Did he just call me when a I, grandpa? When we talked about the club, <laughs> you heard that, right? I know you're listening. When we talked about the club, you know, I was, I, I was a little young for those I days. I don't take but, it. But when I was 18, 19, I was always the kid that hung around the 30, 35 year olds because whether it was knowledge or the way I saw how they operated. Um, you I knew, wanted, you yeah. knew from a young age, bro. Yeah, you I wanted you to got be it. like those people. A lot of people don't get it, so we got to tell these young guys. Man. I feel older than you, I'm sure. I feel like it must be my business, but... No, I'm sure you, you... Listen, you talk to a lot of people. Yeah. I know what the mortgage guys do. How many phone calls a day these guys got to make? How many How many calls? We started the same way back in the day 10 years ago, making two, 300 calls a day. You know, obviously now there's technology that helps you implement yep. easier ways to do that in our business, but... We have the old school values in our business. All of my guys in the office, we dial the phones, we pound the pavement, we do our networking. We don't lose sight of the stuff that got us to where we are. I, I feel like I did the last year or two, and I, I've spoke about that on the last couple of episodes. You know, we had such a busy couple of years, even before the pandemic. Right. And then during COVID, rates came down. So there was such an influx in business where I was the, I'm the first one to admit, you know, my faults. And I took my pedal off the metal for a little bit and focused on things that didn't get me to where I was in my business. But I realized fast that you can't come away from the stuff that you did and the work that you put in to get you to where you, you got so yeah. fast because it's actually the same thing with relationships. Like when people first start in a relationship, they yeah. put a lot of energy into it right. and they think, Oh, now I'm get comfortable and you don't got to put that same in. Can't get comfortable. But you, that what that's what kills the relationship right. because you're not getting actually the same version that I started dating. Exactly. Right? Like that's not the, so you got to keep giving that effort, you know, and it's people aren't consistent with things. That's just life we're living in, bro. Right. It's not it's, it's how can we fix that? How Jim can we, helped me so much it's with happened that. to every one of us. It's happened to me too, you know, I yeah. gave more energy to something else I probably could have gave less energy to and of vice course. versa. Listen, but um, I was always a people pleaser, though. That's why I, I always people, operated I'm that way because I would always worry about how's this guy feeling? You know, what could I do to make him better or help him out regardless of what I'm going through or dealing with in my life? And maybe I was in a horrible situation right. during that time, but I've always been somebody to wear my heart on my sleeve. I you know, see how that could I help that person no matter what you're going through? And sometimes that's not good. That's why I love this stuff because you get to get some stuff off your chest and speak about some stuff that you maybe never spoke to anybody about because that's just how I was growing up. You know, it's nice to talk to people, but I always held my stuff in. You know, man, woman, no matter who you are, I just was always the person to keep things like that in and worry about what is he dealing with or what is she dealing with and not worry about myself. And once I started to realize you have to work on yourself right. to be able to worry about other people 
that's when I realized like I gotta I gotta fix myself now and start at least putting the work in. How can how can you be good for anyone if you can't be good for yourself? Exactly. So you gotta be the best version of yourself for you. You gotta be happy with you because if you're not happy with you, that relationship's not gonna be happy. You're gonna right. be a fake version of you in that relationship. You gotta be happy with yourself. You gotta be committed to yourself. And then once that's good, you're good with being alone. That's when you're probably even ready to be in a relationship. You know. Completely agree. And I told you, relationships are hard, whether it's business, partnerships, family, mother, father, brother, you know, you name it. Relationships in total, like, you got to, it's work. Yeah. You got to be willing to put the work in. It is. You have to be willing to put the work in because I feel like people think it's 50-50. It's not because you're not always going to be equal. You know, some days you got to pick up their slack. The other days you expect them to pick up your slack. And I love that you said that's it, what creates a team. It's not always 50. You know what it is? It's always 100-100. I love that. It's always, I'm going to, it doesn't matter what day. I could be at a five that day, but I'm going to give 100 of my five. I'm going to give 100 of my seven. I'm going to give 100 of my days when I'm a 10. Right. You know, but I don't think it's, you don't have to think about 50-50 because that's another way. Like, I got to pick up, no, you got you to gotta be the best version for you because that's the only way you can be good for that person. And being the best version should include doing great things for the other person. That's your partner in life. Exactly. That's your spouse or that's your that's the one you're, you're putting your head down at night next to, you know, hugging or cuddling with. Like, you got to be going after it. That's the very important relationship in your life. I mean, if you're not treating that relationship good, how can you be treating yourself good? It's true. It's true. So, you know, I'm told you, like, I'm, I'm built differently, to, especially even with relationships and life, man. I, I don't, I want to be known as a good person. I wanted to know my friends, like, hey, we did, we always did the right thing by each other, you know? And I, I live by those, those that code of ethics, integrity. Like, those words are, mean something to me when I'm doing business, you know, my family, everything. So that's that's the world I want to live in. That's the one. That's the person I want to be. I think that's cool. Yeah, That's yeah. what's cool to me. Right. Making people feel good. Yeah. Philanthropy, it seems like you love that stuff. You know, yeah. figuring out how you can give back to the world. and 100%. For other people. Yeah, those are the things that make you feel good. Dude, I was with these guys um, a couple weeks ago. We've been a few... A couple of days we put together a charity event for kids with, you know, they, they raised so many sneakers and they're giving it I back remember. to yeah, yeah, I remember. the kids. Like, you know, listen, shout out to my boys, Ron and AZ. These guys did some amazing work, man. They're great people. What good dudes. They got such good guys to come and support, give sneakers, donate their time, donate their energy, donate their... They're giving out sneakers left and right to these inner city, you know, neighborhoods and families. Such a great feeling. What, yeah, what, giving is. back. That's what it's about. You know? Right. A lot of guys came together on that. We had um, the guys from Nino's Beach. We had Geo Events. All my friends, too, um, came to support. We had some celebrities. Jose Reyes in the building. Yeah, I saw pictures of Jose Reyes in the uh, building. Jennifer Aiden from Real Housewives. Awesome. Um, we had some really, like I said, we had some cool people in the building, too. Next event, you better get there. One million percent. Yeah. What are... Uh, to go on to something a little bit different, you know, as I, mean, I feel like we can keep rolling for hours. I'm telling you, we could. We'll let this guy go home eventually. What time is it? <laughs> it's like, it's almost uh, nine. nine. When, when did we start? We're like an hour and 20 hour in. Right yeah, is good. that long than yeah. you normally go? How long yeah, did, do we normally go? Uh, anywhere from. Yeah. We'll stop. We'll stop. We'll stop winding down. You smoke weed in here? Yeah, right after we're done. I wanted to, uh, while we finish up, I wanted to talk about. A couple things. Some of the goals maybe you have. I know you said some great stuff you have going on, the Harvard thing, yeah. you know, all that stuff that you are working on and all the events you throw and all the charity stuff that you're involved in. 
Is there a specific goal you have for this year? Or is there anything you want to accomplish different this year besides, you know, Harvard? Harvard? Absolutely. I know that's something that's so important to you. Absolutely. So um, this year I'm actually changing the way I think about even goals. It's already happened. It's already happened, you know. So I'm, uh, I'm helping right now with a bunch of different businesses that I know are going to explode. Um, I'm doing some really amazing things education-wise, like working with Harvard. So I'm going to graduate Harvard. You know, it's already happened. I graduated. I might have know. to sign up at Harvard. Why not? I love it. There's a lot of programs like this, and I wish I would have did a little bit more research, yeah. but come talk to me. Of course. Um, I'm going to get my real estate license, something that I want to try you to- got to talk about that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to get my real estate license. I think that's something I would, I really love. I've developed homes. I've built homes. I've, I've did my house that I live in. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but I designed it from from top to bottom. They've shot um, some movies in my home. Like uh, They shot the show uh, Girls 5 Ever. Okay. Um, Tina Fey was on, you know, Peacock, I believe. Um, two ep- two episodes, two seasons they did. They used my house. Nice. Um, the other night, another big group came and used the house to use, like shot music videos at my house. But I built this house. I designed it from head to toe. It's amazing. I was flipping home, so I thought something else I taught myself how to do. Nice. I like real estate. I like design. I like people. So I think I'd just be good at it. And I'm just joined this real estate chat that I'm involved with. So I'm okay. seeing deals go back and forth. Yeah, it's getting me a little excited. So I was like, why wouldn't I get my real estate license? So I'm, that's that's something that's it's already happened. I got it this year, you know. Um, and uh, I want to be a really, you know, really good boyfriend. That's another, it's happened, you know. I want to make moves in my relationships. I want us to start making content. So that's happened already, you know. She's uh, my my girl's a mental health therapist. She's fucking unbelievable, unbelievably brilliant, um, and she started making content as well. So I'm gonna, I've already put up 300 pieces of content this year, you know. So those are some of the things that's gonna. Content is currency. That was my favorite line. Yo, of the, uh, content the is currency, man. That's a good one. We're gonna get shirts. We own it. That's us. Okay, that's something I've been saying a lot because I'm doing so right now. My marketing agency is something very important to me. So that agency is creating content for people. We have an opportunity. You can come in as a, I, was, I think I was telling you about yeah, this. Yeah, with the ads. We handle stuff. your social media. Yeah. We handle every platform, LinkedIn, um, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I think those are the major seven. I might be missing one, but um, all platforms we handle for you, your social content, flat posts, quotes, whatever you want to do. We organize it. We plan out the calendar you send us all of your content yep. we edit all your content we chop it up to the 15 second 30 second 45 second reels put all the words on it yep. make them look cool put all the b-roll together with the so your and your 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 instagram and social media is going to have content constantly so a video like if we do a podcast like this we could chop this up and you know oh yeah forget doing it. video work you can make 20 30 clips out of this exactly. it's content enough for a couple weeks so i'm going to you're going to see I'm stepping on my content game. I bought my I own camera. I bought my own mics. Um, so I want the world to learn more about, I feel I'm at the point, I've done a lot of amazing things. I've been successful in everything, thank God. i got to share this with the world. What the, What am I doing? I'm not doing my part. You owe that to the world now. I owe it. Like you. Yeah. I didn't realize the guys like you wanted to hear my story, to be honest with you. Of course. I've been so down, I'm telling you, I've been in blinders, so head down. I haven't even thought about like wow, I I can't believe you told me you actually looked at the AM. Well, you get somebody with eighty thousand followers on Instagram. You don't think that person might respond to you, but you you you're not not everybody's that person you think they might be. It's nice to see a genuine person that doesn't even. Some people act different when they have those followings or they think that they've accomplished something that maybe you can't accomplish. And no, it's amazing to be 
Let's go, but let's spread that. Like, let's, yeah. I'm telling you, what I did, anyone can do. Anyone can do. I figured it out. That's what I did. I went, no hospitality. I got Playboy Club. Playboy, one of the biggest brands in the world, to contact me and say, hey, we need your help. We're struggling here. Can you help us? Like, can you? They made me the president, and we turned this thing around. Playboy Club went from zero to 100 real quick. I brought in some amazing people. They're My, still around? Well, we, there were some issues at the end, but no, they're not, no longer around. But you think OnlyFans has something to do with that? Yeah, with a lot of the uh... no, well, Playboy is still around the brand, but Playboy Club we ended up closing. There was some you know internal management stuff. I ended up leaving the, yeah. the project, and after I walked off the project because of I didn't like the way they were going to handle business going forward, I built that thing. My team we brought it from the dead to I mean to the Empire State Building. That's awesome. We were the hottest show in town. Saturday nights people would be lined up. 30, 40 deep trying to get into our place because we threw a great event, threw a great yeah. party. I told you how I put my heart, blood, and sweat and tears into everything I do. That was the best. Guess what? Ownership gets too smart. I was managing the restaurant and nightlife. Like, hey, why don't you go handle nightlife alone? We'll run the restaurant. You're the same people who screwed it up in the first place. Why would I let you do that? My name's attached to this thing. Everything works as an orchestra. I've got it all going. These maniacs, we were doing so well, they thought, like, okay, now I could just do it on my own. Yeah. I said, hey, here are your keys back. We were the management company. That's what they hired us to do. Here's your keys. I left the project. How long do you think it took them to close? A, a season, probably. Four weeks. Wow. They couldn't stay open. We were the hottest game in town. Wow. Because guess what? I was living, breathing, and dying. I was there seven days a week. Me and my partner, William Sonnet, we would put in 20 hours a day. Because my name was attached to it. I had to make it win. I wanted people to have a great time. They weren't willing to do No one's willing to do that. So once we that energy walks off the scene, you think someone's putting that. That's not a nine-to-five job. No. Making something that I'm telling you, everybody thought was going to fail. It was on 42nd. It was in the worst spot. Whoever picked this place, it was the worst location you could possibly put in a nightclub. And that's why I took it, because I said, if I could do it here, I could do it anywhere. Right. And I did it in the hardest freaking location in all of New York City. When everybody said, no, I don't want it, I took it, me and my partner, and we ran with it. And we crushed it. We brought, we put it on the map. That's awesome. And we did a great job. And then ended up COVID. Had ended up, I ended up, was about to build my own place in the city. COVID ended up happening. Um, and I, you know, COVID stopped hospitality yeah. for a couple of years. We ended up doing a really cool party. I'm not sure if you've heard it. It was called Etiquette in the city. Well, if you haven't, you gotta look at this. I was this. We did that Sony Hall in New York City. Okay. I was with, yeah, yeah. Um, with Sion, with great guys over there, and uh, we created this dinner party experience. And I had show after show after show, that. dancing on stage. It was it was unbelievable. So I kind of created exactly what I told you. I want to do hair at some point in Long Island at some point. It's really cool. So I think we should do that. At, I'm, I'm excited for the future, man. But I, I got big goals, bro. What my goals? Take over every like, making it make an amazing impact on this world. It's already happened. That's what I did. That's why I told you this Global Healthcare Leaders found Foundation that we're putting together. This is going to make impact on the world. I'm involved with a company called Cherish Health. Cherish Health is, is think about radar technology you could put inside of someone's home, and then it could detect your blood pressure with no monitoring. It's detected by radar. It just knows. It scans your body, 13 points on your body, and it could say, hey, you're having heart issues. Your blood pressure is going up. Your parents are upstairs. That one of them fell. They're old. They, you know, they no technology. They don't wear a watch. They don't gotta wear anything. You put it in the house. Boom, it starts working right away. Monitors whatever's happening in the home. That's a company I'm helping from Harvard and MIT and wow. in the Boston area. 
That's the type of guys that I'm dealing with. Things that change lives. Things that change, bro. This is what I want to do. Change the world. Let's go. Yeah. Well, we're going to do it. 100%. And I'm telling you, I'm hoping something you learned today, because I learned a lot from you, that you're super gifted. By the ability to pound the phones and talk to a million people, you've had so many experiences with people. Nobody can have these conversations anymore. Teach people how to have them, bro. No, I love people that. People need to hear your story. People that see you, you're fuck, I can see you have a great soul, you have great energy. You, you could teach these young kids work ethic, hard work, pounding the phones, and don't just, you said you're trying to go back. Don't talk about it, then be about it. That's it. Put it on video, man. Boom, every day. I'm, my guy's on the floor, I'm pounding the phones with you. Let's go. 100%. Let's rock. You gotta put those vibe. You gotta put those vibes out there. You gotta spread that that energy. Put it on film. Put it on camera. Yeah, of course. Commit to it. Yeah. Take one of these cameras to work with you. And let's go. Let's. We just thought. Yeah, I bet you, just, bro. If you do that this year, you're gonna have the biggest years of your entire life. If you you show people the positive stuff happening in your life, that stuff here, yeah, like you said. Why would somebody choose so you for mortgages over somebody else? Teach me, really. Like I would love to know. Why would somebody choose me? Yeah, for wait, a mortgage, brother. I could choose anyone in the world. Also, I told you I'm getting real estate. I got to tell you about this company. Bid my listing, but that's gonna help you. We have some stuff to talk about. But why would someone choose you guys for mortgages over anyone? Like, there's a million freaking mortgage people. Yeah, just like anything in life, like value and relationships. In my opinion, any bank or anybody you can go to. They could probably get you a good interest rate on your mortgage. All banks operate the same way, especially in a state like New York where we are. It's so regulated. You can't really give somebody what you want to give them. It's based off of the market, whatever the rates are, whatever programs that bank offers, and we're all pretty similar. So why would somebody go with me? I preach myself. They look at my reputation, my social media. They see me online. They see what I've done for other people and other families. They don't know. Or they know by just looking at me and who I am and how my team operates, by seeing what we've done, because it's all over, they know they're going to get the best loan available. They know that the bank doesn't make up that program, that if they come to Dean and his team, no matter what happens, they get treated like family. And that's what, from, from my experience, that's how I've seen success in my business. You know, I pitch myself and how we can build the relationship with that person, not just for their mortgage needs right now, but for the future. And that's how you earn the business from their family, from their friends. It's by doing the right thing up front and not trying to say, I'll get you the lowest interest rate or I'll save you the most money. Yeah, that's important. People like those things, but people like to know who they're dealing with and they want to have a relationship with who they're dealing with. Absolutely. So I feel like, yeah, just personal brand again. It's who we are as people. And, and the they know they, that, right? They know the vibration right away if they want to do business you with you. You seem like the type of person that you're going to do whatever it takes to get them the best rate, to get them the best No matter what happens. the best deal. Of course. Like you're not going to ever be put your name to something that's like, oh, nah. someone was able to beat my deal. Not even a chance. This is the best that this... Uh, can that happen? Of course that can happen. Yep. But I'll always put my best foot forward from the beginning, no right. matter who it is in right. business. So well, that goes a lot longer. You know? yeah, I, like, I used to have a friend like that, the same way, like made sure hair. Here's the best opportunity. Here's the best deal. I'm not trying to play games. And that's it. We give them all the, the business, you know? Yeah. But so. uh, listen, mortgage world is not easy. No, it's not. What do you think is going to happen in the next year? I think something has to change. Hopefully it's in a positive way regarding interest rates and, you know, inventory. Like there's not that many homes available right now because people aren't selling because rates were a little higher. So I feel like, you know, and the Fed spoke. The Fed is who indicates rates. Well, not really indicates rates, but the Fed speaks about what's happening in the world and then, you know, he said, we're going to cut rates three times in 24. And then I think they said three or four more times the following year. So if that happens, it's going to create such an opportunity for people to now sell their homes because they know that when they buy a new home, they'll get a low interest rate. Mm -hmm. 
that's the problem right now. A lot of people are sitting on the sidelines because, yeah, I have 3% on my house right now. Why would I sell that house and take 7%? I'm going to pay two or three times as much for the same house. So that's that's why I feel like something. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a little curveball on so, that. Something has to change. I'm I feel throw a little curveball on that. Sure. But if you buy a house now at right. a high interest rate, knowing the rates are gonna come down, I know. Yeah. You're, you're gonna get a house at this level when the interest rates come down, the house value is gonna go up. You refinance in two years. I love that. Years. You marry your home, you date the rate. That's been one of the most important lines yeah, you, that rates have always rates always change. You always get a better deal. One million percent. So people don't realize. Yeah. Now. Because there they're is... Un, because they're uneducated. Exactly. They're uneducated. Realtors, loan officers, attorneys. Jeez. Here's your chance. Educate the freaking world. Get in these houses because when the rates start coming down, the prices of houses are going to skyrocket. That's what you would think is going to happen. So, yeah, like you were saying... Unless there's a major catastrophe, we can't predict those things. Yeah. But you can predict that equation would happen, right? That's what's happened in the past. Rates come down, houses of prices go... Up. Yeah. But there is an opportunity now because, like you said, you can negotiate the price. You can always refinance the rate. Yep. So, listen, you gotta, you got to give and take a little and, bit of both ends of it. And I think you're in, a, you're in a good market right now to actually negotiate prices. Yeah, I agree with you. For the first time in a while. Yeah. Well, people have had challenges. So <coughs> some people have to get out of their situation. You know, people have oh, to move and shake right I, now, I can so. tell you, we have a different problem. I think, unfortunately, they've kicked the can down the road. I think there's a lot of people are in foreclosure. I think we can't keep up with this economy. Everything is 40% higher. People aren't making 40% more money, so people are going to start losing and digging into their savings, digging yeah. deeper and deeper. And guess what? I foresee some tough times coming yeah. if we keep that going. We've got to bring prices back down. We've got to produce more. We've got to encourage business. We've got to encourage more, you know, products so we could yeah. bring prices down. There was a shortage in supply, so that's what raised prices. But once prices go up, people don't want to bring them back down. So, but at the end of the day, everything is up 30 40%. Everything. And no one's making – the middle class is not making 30 40%. Well, that's the problem. There's, like, such a big gap from what they say now, from just public knowledge, that that's what they're saying. That's why something has to change because the middle class, you know, has a hard time affording a house or going out to dinner. Everything's 30 40% more expensive. And if your income hasn't changed – you're going to be in debt, and yeah. consumer oh, debt's the highest it's ever or been right now. We're so. going to have to work more. Right. The, you can't have to work a day job and a night job and a weekend job. Yeah. Some of us have done it. Yeah, 100%. Well, listen. If you want nice things, bro, and you like I said, you want to keep up, you might have to work That's, three jobs for a little while until things change. You got to do what it takes. Most people don't have that energy, so I hope they find it. I hope they get it, but this is what it's going to take to survive, man. Well, listen, you. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, and you've shown that. You'll. You've explained some of the stuff you've gone through, and when you see people, the way they operate with their back against the wall, and they'll do anything they can to get where they want to be, work all these in all these different businesses, and try to perfect them all, and that's that's how I I want to control and be the best at everything. Um, I want to be the best at everything, and yeah, I, I learned so much from this episode. That's so awesome, man. I I appreciate you again taking the time to. Had a lot of fun, and I hope we could definitely do this again. I'm so happy to get a chance to know you. 100%. Again, yeah. content is uh, currency, man. That's our thing. We're friends, bro. Friends for life now. That's it, brother. All right? I and I look forward to supporting your journey. You Anything I can help you with ever, my I phone's always that. open to you. Thank you so right? much. The door is Same always open. And I hope people honestly look at this and hear what this guy's got to say. Not only in mortgages, watch him. He's about to take off. Thank you, brother. Let's go. That's Blessings, it. bro. 11-11. That's it. 11-11. <laughs>